This is Theology Refresh, Desiring God's podcast for pastors and Christian leaders. David Mathis here with Greg Allison, professor at Southern Seminary, and who is the author of a new volume that you'll want to check out called Sojourners and Strangers, The Doctrine of the Church with Crossway. I'm very excited about this book, Greg. I've been looking forward to it for a while. Thank you you for joining us here. Uh, My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. This is such a significant and substantive and important doctrine for the Christian, the doctrine of the church. Is there a text you'd send pastors to in their thinking of the church? Where would you you go to start us off on the journey of learning about the doctrine of the church? Well, let's start with the verse that uh, basically gave the title to this book. Uh, It's 1 Peter 2.11, and I'm reading from the ESV. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and strangers to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. So we as the people of the church are, are, are located in this boundary time period between the first and second coming of Christ. We're not alone. We're a part of the church, but we're aliens. We're foreigners in a world that uh, doesn't love Christ, doesn't love the gospel, doesn't love God, and, uh, and yet we're the family of God. Uh, another passage that comes to mind is, is Paul's treatment of the church in Ephesians uh, chapter 2 and 3, and he, and he talks about God exalting Jesus Christ into the heavenly realm, giving him you know, the, the, the power and authority over all created things. And then as the cosmic head of, over all things, he's given to the church as its head. And the church there is called the body of Christ, the, the only entity in the entire universe that bears that title, the body of Jesus Christ. So it, it emphasizes our privileged position under the headship of Jesus Christ, and yet we're also these uh, sojourners and strangers in the midst of a world on mission for God. Mm, that's good. So as sojourners and strangers on mission, we yep. come across people who maybe if they've heard the word church, their concept is a building. Right. You know, what's some of the, the ways that we can get at this important concept of, of what the church is? So in a one sense, I think we can say that there's a, a physical aspect to the church, isn't there? So to say the church is a building, that's a common concept. I, I kind of run with it, actually, in my book and say it, 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 there is some truth to that, that the church does gather together. The people meet in a place at a certain time to worship God together and fellowship together and be taught and heard the word preached and things like that. Uh, but more so than a building and more so than, than uh, just... Uh, you know, a physical place, we have to think of the church in terms of being the people of God, and, and specifically the new covenant people of God. You know, n- not, uh, not under the old covenant, the Mosaic covenant, with all of its rules and regulations, but the new covenant people of God focused on Jesus Christ and uh, born again, justified through his blood, um, and uh, with great faith and, and uh, trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ. This English word we're using, church. Yeah. How important is that for pastors to to know the history of that and where that came along and how that matches up with biblical language? How important is it? Uh, you know, a little bit. I think people go overboard when they start saying, you know, the, the, the biblical word in the New Testament for church is ecclesia, and it means gathering or assembly. And, and there's, there's obviously there's truth to that. Um, but let's not get fixated just on a word we have to think about the concept of the church and and no concept can be defined just by looking at a a simple word like ecclesia we do gather as i've emphasized we do gather together as the assembled new covenant people of god to worship god together and things but uh, we need to understand the church 
in a way that goes far beyond just trying to define the word. Mm, that's good. So, as we dialogue about church, teaching in a Christian setting, talking with somebody on the street, what are some of the important things we need to say about what the church is? Her origin, her ministry, uh, where it's all tending, what direction would you take us there? I would go and let's talk about the concept of the church because my book is driven by this conviction that first of all we have to understand what the church is its nature its identity seven attributes of the church uh, before we can figure out and engage in the ministries of the church so I lead in my book by focusing on what is the church what's the essence of the church and I define it in terms of seven identity markers or characteristics or attributes the first is the church is doxological. We sing the doxology, which has to do with the glory of God. So the first attribute of the church, the church is doxological or oriented to the glory of God. It, it's to be about giving God his rightful honor and glory. Second, uh, the church is logocentric or word-centered in two senses. The word, the incarnate word, Jesus Christ, and the word, the inspired word, which is scripture. So obviously... Jesus says in Matthew 16 that um, I will build my church. The, the church belongs to him. He's the cornerstone of the church. So the church needs to be centered on Jesus Christ, the incarnate word. But the church is also focused on the word in terms of the inspired word of God, scripture. So scripture is that which gives birth to the church. It, it causes people to be born again. It's the direction and guide for the church. So the, the, the word of God being inspired and clear and sufficient and necessary and authoritative, effective, it, it's on the word of God that the church needs to be focused in terms of being focused on Scripture. The third attribute is that the church is uh, spirit-empowered or, or pneumodynamic is the word I use in the, in the book. It's created, gathered, gifted, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit has a role of, again, giving birth to the church, giving gifts to the church, creating the church, bringing the church together, empowering the church for all that it needs to be in terms of the mission of God. Uh, the fourth characteristic, the church is covenantal. That is, each uh, person, each Christian, is, uh, has to be related to God in terms of being in new covenant relationship with God. So God structures his relationship with us as Christians through the new covenant. But in a secondary sense, we also are in covenantal relationship with one another. That is, as members of a local church, we are committed to pray for and love and care for one another, to support our pastors, to submit to the authority of the elders, to, to be part of a covenant community, which is a very essential attribute of the church. Uh, fifth, it's confessional. Each Christian has to have a personal confession of faith in Jesus Christ, hearing the gospel, repenting of sin, believing in Jesus Christ. We call it a credible profession or confession of faith. But in a secondary sense, too, the church together, when it corporately gathers, should confess the faith that is the historic faith that the church has always believed. So I envisioned a church on a regular basis, maybe the Nicene Creed or the Apostles' Creed or some creed written by the church, affirming corporately, uh, out loud together, uh, what it is that we believe. Sixthly, the church is missional. It's, it's gathered together by God and then sent on the mission of God. And, um, and so the, the church is missional. That is its very identity, its very core issue. It's, it's on mission from God. 
uh, as Jesus said at the end of uh, John chapter 20, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you, talking to his disciples, the church. So God the Father gave the Son a commission, which he has fulfilled. And he, the Son, gives us a commission, which we are to fulfill, the Great Commission. The church is missional. And the last characteristic, the seventh and last characteristic, the church is here but not here. It's already but not yet. So, again, it's a, it's a reality of, stranger, of sojourners and strangers. Uh, we are people on this earth, and, and we live and we work in this world, and yet our ultimate citizenship is in heaven. And so the church has this rather unique and strange identity of being part of this world and yet not being part of this world. So we've experienced the intervention of God in part salvation, in part the power of the Holy Spirit, in part a conviction of sin and release from sin, in part we look forward to a day when we'll know salvation in full and we'll have face-to-face relationship with God and we'll have the power of the Holy Spirit in full and be released from the presence of sin completely. So we're, we're on a journey. We're, we're pilgrims. We're sojourners um, here, but not here, already, but not yet. Seven characteristics of the church. Greg, that, that's really helpful. And you're in Louisville. Louisville, Kentucky. Which is strongly Catholic. A lot of Catholic yes. history, ancestry there. Uh, as you, being a, someone who's just written in Ecclesiology, a book on the doctrine of the church, interfaces with, with Catholics, you, your church, those in there, in uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, are are there lessons, key points of uh, of tension between this Protestant evangelical doctrine of the church and the Catholic doctrine of the church? I I think it's uh, the difference between a Protestant view of the church and a Catholic view of the church is one of the primary differences that separate us. Uh, the Catholic Church is focused around a concept called the sacramental economy that Jesus Christ, as High Priest, accomplished salvation. He's accomplishing salvation through the church, particularly through the sacraments and uh, people involved in the church doing good works, things of the hierarchy of the church, the the, the papacy and all like that. Uh, A a concept of the church which, in my estimation, is very far removed from the very simple presentation of the church in Scripture and, uh, and also very different than Protestant churches. There are many stripes of Protestant churches from Lutheran churches to Presbyterian to Baptist to, to uh, charismatic churches, but no Protestant church even comes close to being something like the Catholic Church in, in terms of its hierarchy and sacramental economy. So I really do think our two concepts of the church are, are completely different. The, uh, you mentioned the church being missional. Missional, yeah. I, I appreciate that. I think it's important. A generation ago, would an ecclesiology have included that? And what reasons may there be that it would have it now and maybe not then? Or would it have had it then? Uh, yeah, it's a great question. Uh, historically, uh, the Protestant church has, has um, had a missional component. Uh, mostly it's been viewing mission as an activity of certain people in the church, just like we might have a choir committee, a bereavement committee, a finance committee. There's also an evangelism committee and a mission committee. And, and so it's a, it's a group of people who are interested in mission, and they form the mission committee, and they're the ones who are responsible for the missional work of the church. That, that's a, an, an older concept. And with missional, now as I'm understanding it, and, and which has been the focus of our discussion on this point for the last dozen years or so, 
missional is really more of an identity. Everything that we do, from the church worshiping together, fellowshipping together, preaching the gospel together, helping the poor together, everything we do is in fulfillment of this uh, missional aspect of the church. So missional is not something a committee is responsible for. Missional is an identity marker of the entire church. So my church in Louisville, Kentucky, Sojourn Community Church, we are on mission for God no matter what we do. And it's not just a small group or even a large group of people who bear the responsibility for it. So there's quite different concepts. This isn't to say that in a missional church like ours, we don't have people on long-term mission and short-term mission and things like that. We certainly have these activities, but we see it as a corporate responsibility, a church responsibility, because it's an identity of the church. Greg, there's a, a beautiful thing happening here in maybe the last five, seven years of an increasing number of, of books by evangelicals that had the word church in the title. I mean, we're talking about a, a basic thing here at the center. It, perhaps it's a beautiful thing. Is there a connection between talking of uh, a, a, a renewal in, say, soteriology in one decade and then heightened emphasis on the doctrine of the church in a following decade? Certainly. Uh, as, as we trace the history of doctrine from the early church to today, we see different emphases at different times. In the early church, a focus, for example, on the person and work of Jesus Christ or, or the triune nature of God. In the Reformation period, sola scriptura, scripture only, and the authority of the word of God. In the 19th century, the battle for the inerrancy of scripture, continuing up to the 20th century. And really, the, the 20th century, um, several main emphases. One is the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, the person and work of the Holy Spirit, and the doctrine of the church, ecclesiology. So I, I see God uh, superintending this uh, progress in doctrinal development and calling the church to focus more and more on this doctrine of the church. So I'm very thrilled about it. You mentioned a lot of books are being written. Vintage Church by Mark Driscoll and Gary Brashears, Liquid Church, Simple Church, um, Postmodern Church. Every, every, there's an adjective right. in, in there involved in all these uh, titles. Um, most of these, you know, God bless their work, and they've been helpful to me. Uh, most of these are um, oriented to what does the church do? What are the ministries of the church? My book starts with what the church is, what's the nature of the church, and from that we draw out our ideas of what the church is supposed to do. This way, once we get the concept of the church, we can plant a church anywhere in the world and understand what it's supposed to be, and then the ministries of the church, the activities the church are, are involved in, will look different from place to place, but they're still flowing out of the identity markers, these seven attributes of the church. Well, that's really good. So you have in mind with this book not only other scholars, but pastors and church planters, is that right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, a great compliment I got from the general editor, John Feinberg. I was just talking to him actually uh, yesterday morning. He said this book is, is both academic, scholarly in nature, so it will reach those um, academic, academicians and, and also MDiv students. But he said, but it's also immensely practical, more than perhaps any other book in this Foundations of Evangelical Theology series. And, and I did that intentionally uh, because I think this, of all the doctrines perhaps, needs to be immensely practical. So I've got footnotes in there about uh, how to institute church discipline, for mm -hmm. example, in a church that hasn't observed it for, for decades. Uh, I've got an excursus on multi-site churches and, and what those look like. Uh, so th there's a lot of practical application because my hope is 
that uh, yeah, pastors and scholars, um, but then church planters or or just lay people that want to know more about how to live the church, how to be the church, how to do the church can learn from this book. That's good. So prospective church planters listening right now are going, would you say that title again? I will. Sojourners and Strangers, The Doctrine of the Church by Greg Allison. Uh, Greg, as we conclude here, is is there a, before our listener gets their hands on the book and able to read it, is there an exhortation you'd give to leaders related to the doctrine of the church? Yes. Um, the, as, as we are deeply committed to communicating the gospel, let's always remember that an integral part of the gospel is those who repent of their sins after hearing the good news and believe in Jesus Christ in accordance with the gospel. They are, by fact, incorporated into the body of Jesus Christ. So make sure that as we communicate and preach the gospel, we are helping people to understand they are now part of a new family, a new society, the body of Jesus Christ, which is both universal in scope, but it also has to be in a local church. There are a growing number, a disturbing growing number of people today who claim, I love Jesus, that church of his, I can't stand it. It's a horrible position, a tragic position to, mm-hmm. to take. And, and so to, uh, to anyone who's listening, I, I just uh, would, would plead with them, as you preach the gospel, help people understand uh, redemption through Jesus Christ, salvation through the gospel, um, incorporates them, places them into the body of Christ, and they're part of a new family, a new covenant community, the Church of Jesus Christ. And he loves when they get involved in churches. Mm-hmm. Greg, thank you so much for joining us here. Would you close us in prayer? Sure. Lord, for, for anyone listening, and will you just pour out um, your spirit of wisdom and knowledge about the reality of your church and help people to more deeply love the church and be more committed to it and uh, exercise their gifts in it and, and work for the furtherance of the cause of Jesus Christ through the church, which is his body. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.